I understand what that song means now. I gotta go back and listen to that song. See, I ain't understand the song. We sing songs, don't even understand. I'm telling you, Zion is calling hit different when you actually move into a higher place. It hit different. We exalt the hit different when you actually exalt God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Man, we back. Real church matters. Well, we talk real church matters because real church matters. Real church matters now. Real church mattered then. Real church matters forever. Not just because of the time we in where we look at the time and we say, you know what? We need God more than ever. We always needed him more than ever. You just recognize it more than ever. Hmm. I'm Forrest Hall. I'm so happy to be back here for episode 143. I'm so blessed to do this. Whenever I don't feel led to do it. It goes against the very core of who I am because I really want to do it. But I was taught a long time ago to speak when spoken to. So, it was quiet time for a second there. Quiet time. Just time to reflect, time to think, time to observe. I did a lot of observing. And a lot of those observations we're going to share Right here, Real Church Matters. Indeed. Shout out to each and every person that has been on here. I love them to death, each in their own special way, but all through the love of God. But I want to just talk for a second. And it's easier, I have to be honest, it is easier to share what is on your heart when it's on your heart and it's harder to share what's on your heart when what is on your heart is not on the heart of others so I want to be mindful that I am taking every opportunity as I can to share the word unfiltered unadulterated and undisturbed as that uh, orange juice commercial used to say, unfooled around with. So, shout out to people who have been listening over the years. It is years at this point. I'm so grateful. Yeah, I'm so grateful. So, without further ado, we're going to get started. Remember, obedience over audience. Always will be, at least over here. So, if you got a question, I do want to challenge you to go inf- to uh, ask me at realchurchmatters.com. You know where to find the podcast, wherever podcasts are played. And you know where to reach me. Reach me, ask me at Real Church Matters or realchurchmatters.com. So I want to make sure that um, I say a few things. I am in the process of reading a great book, reading it with my nephew and a few other people. 
It's called The Long Obedience by Eugene Patterson. If you were interested in reading it, I would uh, encourage you to do so. Actually, if you reach out to me and say you want to read it, I'll even try to get the book to you free of charge. So uh, I want people to read it. I think it's a very profound book. It's what I've been reading. Um, Sometimes you spend a lot of time giving and talking to people. It's good to just pull yourself back and, and be fed. And so I've been doing a lot of observing, a lot of talking with people, but a lot of listening listening to my uh, support center, my circle of people, been listening to the word, I've been praying, and just trying to get clarity as to where I should be and what I should be doing. And so um, with that being said, let's get into it. Like um, to, to this week, I want to talk about the world. Of course, we said, I said that I've been observing. I said, I've been watching. I said, I've been paying attention. I've been listening. So I've just been focusing on the world and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, paying attention and being aware. And so I I had some observations that I want to share with you. And I'm coming from John chapter 17, verse five, verse five. And I'm just going to be in John chapter 17. But one of the things you have to to understand is actually before I go to John 17, I'm going to go to John 16 and 33. And in there, I thought it was cool. He said, these things I have spoken to you that in me, ye might have peace in the world. ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And I hear a lot of people saying a lot of things. And one of the things I constantly hear is, Especially from the the uh, the Christian uh, contingency, most more specifically, the uh, evangelicals, is they say that the uh, the values of America have eroded, or they have been lost, or they have withered away, or um, the values we once had are gone, and yes, that um that is part of the appeal. That, that Donald Trump is speaking to, but it was here before Donald Trump ever was there. There was always the church talking as if there was a grand old time before that is now being lost. And I, I, I'm more concerned when I, whenever I see um, black Christians espousing this as well, because that goes against the narrative of the Bible. Number one, For those of you who are taking notes or at least just paying attention and want to make sure you get touchstones to understand where I'm headed. Number one, the world is lost. The world is tribulation. The world is pain. The world is chaos. The world is distress. The world is everything You see it to be outside. It's always been that. Look at what is being said some over 2000 years ago. We see Jesus speaking and saying in the world, you shall have tribulation. He said you should have tribulation in this world because guess what? The world is bad. The world is troublesome. 
The world is a trial. It is a trial to live here. I don't blame babies when they come out the womb and they're crying because this world is something else. I was talking to somebody today and they said, I'm glad that you gave me some good news because all I hear is bad news. And I was talking. I just gave her good news about her project, but I I didn't understand. Like, did you have a bad day? She's like, no, all, all I see on the TV are young black men dying. That's all I see. Isn't that what you see as a young black man? Is that what you see? And I had to explain to her what I see is what I've always seen. I see a world that is dying. I don't just see a a black man. I don't just see two black men. I don't just see three black men. I see many black men. I see a world dying. I see a world dying, a world that can't breathe, a world that's suffocating, a world that is sick, a world that is sick. And each inhabitant in this world will suffer because they are in this world. These are the things Christ spoke to us that we might have peace. How in the world? What in the world? Why? How am I going to have peace? One of the things, second thing we need to understand as Christians is that we're not here to present, to help, or to arrive to world peace. We're not here for racial reconciliation. We're not here to stop all the atrocities that befell this world, nor can we. The world is filled with tribulation. Those within it are subject to it unless they become subject to God. But one thing you will always see is the effects of living in this world. The same way that the population is so dense in China that the pollution is horrible. But each and every inhabitant of that atmosphere suffers the effects of being in it. The same way you can live in a wide open range like in Wyoming or Montana and there's not that much traffic and there's not that much pollution. So you suck in the air and it feels crisp. It feels fresh. You are the inhabitant of a certain area and you receive the benefits or the not so great offerings of each and every place you inhabit. We happen to inhabit a world that is so potent, so polluted, so nasty that all we face is tribulation. We're going to face it. That doesn't mean we become it. It just means we face it. That's why he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We each have to understand that in Christ overcoming the world, he is saying that we have an opportunity To be in the world, but not overcome by it. What do you mean, Forrest? Well, let's look a little further. Remember, we're just in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 5. And he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me that with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. One thing we have to understand is that everything, the tribulation that we face in this world is temporary. How is it temporary? Because there is something that existed before this world ever did. And there's something that something will exist way when the world is long over and it is bound to be over. The Bible tells us it is. People keep looking at the world and saying, look at what's happening. The world is out of order. No, it's not. 
The world is right where it should be. It is aligned and focused and primed for the glory of God to be unveiled. It is living out what it was spoken by many prophecies, by many prophets. It is living out what was spoken through the word of God. What you are seeing is confirmation. What you are seeing is fulfillment. You are not seeing chaos. Look at it through God's eyes. You're seeing fulfillment. Say that with me. I'm not seeing chaos. I'm seeing fulfillment. When I see the chaos on the TV screen, when I see the chaos in the White House and in the Black House and in the streets, I'm not seeing chaos. I'm not just seeing that. I'm seeing fulfillment. I'm seeing the scriptures be unveiled. There's a part that that everything plays. And guess what? The world is playing its part and is moving like clockwork. The question is, are we? So he let us know that we we're primed for something to happen. But in order for us to get to that point, we have to overcome the world. We can't be in this particular time, this particular situation of time in in this plague or whatever you want to call it, dealing with this particular disease or this particular problem of the moment. There's been one every year. This just happens to be this year. We're dealing with a pandemic. Just like many years, we've dealt with something else. But all of those things have been prophesied. And they're being fulfilled. And the question is, are you living out the prophecy? And then what side of the prophecy are you on? They always say, I want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of prophecy. So look what he says in verse six of Gospel of John, verse chapter 17, verse six. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. He said, when I came into this world, this world that was filled with tribulation, this world that was filled with pain, I had a mission. Part of the way that we keep ourselves unstained from this world is while we're in this world, we maintain our mission. I think it's easy for the church to be distracted. And I think that we are seeing what a distracted church looks like. Jesus wasn't distracted. He said, I understood why you brought me to this world. And I stayed on course. Every person that you gave me, I protected them. I gave them your word. And they shared the word that I gave them. They have kept the word. They obeyed the word. We're here to share God's truth. We're here to help teach people how to keep God's truth, how to obey it. We can't get distracted. When I see Christians sitting on legislative seats and I see Christians who are lobbyists and I see Christians who are protesters and we're protesting prayer in schools and we're protesting abortion and we're protesting same sex marriages. I don't see people who are proclaiming the name of God. I see people who are using the name of God to push their agenda. Especially since the greatest narrative in the body, in the Bible, the greatest narrative in the Bible is free will. It's the greatest narrative. Is that God so loved us that he gave us the free will to choose to love him, to choose to obey him. And you get to see people get behind it and say they're saving lives, they're saving unborn children's lives and wouldn't God want us to do that I think what God wants us to do 
is to share the love of God and to share the truth of God. And maybe you can help those broken souls and those hurt souls and those confused souls. You can help them to understand the truth instead of trying to force the truth down their throat and hold the truth to their neck and make them do something that they don't want to. I don't think that was God's intention, but that's what a distracted church looks like. A distracted church looks like 15 to 20 ministers standing behind Donald Trump, praying for him, laying hands on him, getting checks given to them on his payroll, all in the name of Christ and all in the name of what's right, they say. That's what a distracted church looks like. A distracted church who was put into this world to do one thing, obey God and teach others to obey God. Jesus said, I did that. You gave me these people, I did that. Look at verse 9. John chapter 17 says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Look, look, I understand. I I, I understand people want to pray for the world. But I promise you, you don't have to pray for the obedient. You have to pray for the disobedient. And this world is obeying God. It is moving according to its course. And according to his plan, we don't pray for the world. We pray for the people. We pray that God moves on the hearts of the people. We pray that God keeps them. We pray that the people that are in our lives need our prayers desperately. I'm very particular about what I pray over. I hate, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even pray over my food. I pray a uh, I'm always in a prayer of gratefulness for everything that God gives me and everything he affords to me. But I don't want to get caught up in ritual where I'm just having these ritualistic, very automatic prayers that are empty and void of true intention and presence of mind. And I'm not trying to get you to stop. What I'm telling you is that you got to understand your prayers matter. And those prayers should be focused on things that matter and on things that you have been tasked to keep. Pray for your children. God gave them to you. They're in your keep. Pray for yourself. God gave you a soul. It's in your keep. Pray for your church family. You have a responsibility to them, even if you just sit in the back of the church and absolutely have no connection or no type of a sense of ministry in your heart at all that goes against the Bible. But however it is, you have a sense of belonging to them too. You have a sense of belonging to your community. You should pray for them. But praying for the world to change is like praying for the rain to never come. Everything that is in God's power is moving according to his plan. Look at verse 11. He says, and now... I am no more in the world. Lucky, lucky Jesus. But these are in the world. So not lucky us. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And one of the things I remember going on uh, field trips 
And during these field trips, the teacher used to say, she's like, uh, okay, so as we move through the zoo, I need everybody pair up two by two, hold hands, stay together. And she used to tell us this. It was important to her that we stayed together, not just as a sense of safety and uh, for us, but a sense of peace of mind that she, we are easily accounted for because it's easy to get lost amongst the crowd. And I want you to I want to let you know in this world, it's easy to get lost. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to get led away. It's easy to get led astray. It's easy to get distracted. We know that Paul was writing a letter and he said, you got to send me another guy. He's the guy that I had. We lost him to the cares of this world. He did not stay together. He did not stay as one. He said, I, I, that's what I'm praying for. Jesus said, I'm no longer in the world, but they still here. He said, I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them. He said that they may be one. Look at what the church is now in this world, in this time. I was watching a, a, a social media and there was a pastor Okay, he seen there was a black girl sitting on his his church property, just on the lawn reading a book by a tree. He came and posted a "Do Not Trespass" sign on the tree, and asked her to leave. And as she was leaving, he said, "All lives matter." And people are outraged, and they're saying this church is not right, but. What we are dealing with here is a church that's not one. What I mean is everybody saying they serve God, but we don't look like it. That should not be okay to you. The fact that we have to create distinctions and say those are evangelicals, but we're Christians over here. I hate even making that distinction because it makes it seem like I'm okay with the fact that there are many people who say they serve God, but many views that are dividing us, that don't make us one. We're, we are not one body. We are, we are not one body at all. We have fallen prey to the world. The very world that we all say we're fighting against, we're not fighting together in unity. Some people fighting the principalities and the spirits of this world. Some people fighting the people of this world. All in the name of who? In the name of God? Man. This is what Jesus was praying against. This is what he was concerned about when he left us in the world. This world that is not getting better. It's been getting sick since Adam and Eve. Just one generation later... We, we have their children killing one another. That's the span of one generation. What you think been happening since then? With over uh, 200 generations. Since I think a generation is like 40 years. I tried to do some quick math. But whatever it is, um, it would be 500, 500 generations. There's it's it's just how do you think how bad are we? Well, it's it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It's not going to get better, not for the world, but it will get better for those who can remain in God's word and remain together in His word.
I'm sharing this with you because you got to understand even the divisions that you see in your life, even the divisions that you see in your church. I'm tired of division in my church. I'm asking God for clarity. I want to know how to fix the division. I'm not talking about people faking a smile, hugging each other. I'm talking about us being one so that we can walk as overcomers in a world that is falling apart. This is this perplexed me. This this disturbs me. We should not be okay with this. As you see, it's all falling apart. I'm gonna tell you, it, part of the reason why the podcast got got slim tonight is because as I begin to try to move like normal, I started realizing like there ain't nothing normal. This situation is bringing out the worst in people. It's exposing. It's revealing. It's showing us just how disconnected we are from one another. And when I say we, I'm talking about the people of God. The people that keep talking about they want to reach the lost, reach them to bring them in so they can see what? Disunity? So they can see disunity. This is what Jesus was talking about. He was warning us as he was making his prayer and his plea to God. With a real intentional prayer while you praying over your ham hocks or your chicken. He's over here praying over the people God gave him. He said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. He said, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. Help them to stay one. Help them to be one as we are. He even gave us the distinction to understand what in the world oneness is. He said they should be one as we are. They should be speaking the same thing. How do we know Jesus spoke the same thing? Every time people ask him, what are you talking about? He said, I'm just saying what my father said. That's oneness. That's unity. He never deviated from what his father said. They had a they stayed on brand, as they say. Stayed on brand. Jesus spoke. And he was reflecting what his father said. He was saying what his father said verbatim. We supposed to be like Christ. But everybody that's of God supposedly to speaking. I don't see them speaking verbatim what God said. I see a lot of conjecture. I see a lot of interpolation. I see a lot of interpretation. See a lot of exegeting that really isn't exegeting because you are dissecting and forensically reverse engineering the scriptures to fit your agenda. You don't read the scripture and see how you can bend to its will. You read the scripture and see how you can bend it to yours. What he says in verse 12 says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. I looked at my life. I'm like, while I'm in my this world. Am I keeping my being a good keeper? I got brothers, I got sisters, I got nieces, nephews, I got a, two parents, I got I got Parishioners, I got people around me who need me. Am I keeping them 
Am I doing my part to keep them connected to to God, to keep them one with God as me and him are? Do you understand? Am I am, am I helping them to stay one so that we can we can actually overcome this world, not overcome racism, but overcome racism hold in our heart, not overcome hate, but overcome hate. In our heart. So that we loosen its grip and its hold. Not overcome violence. But overcome violence hold on my heart. Think about it. What do you think about this? Jesus allowed. We, not Jesus. God allowed. This world to turn into what it was. And so then you have. Cain come to him. He tells Cain. Beware, sin is crouching at your door. What he was talking about is the elements of this world were seeping in where there was cracks. They were seeping into Cain's heart because there was discord in Cain's heart. There was not unity. Where there's no unity, there is breaches. And the elements of this world can seep into the breaches and cause chaos. Within your life. See. Adam and Eve. They they could have moved in a way. They kept chaos out of their life. No matter what was going on around the world. Cain and Abel. Could have kept chaos out of their life. No matter what was happening around other people. You and me. We can keep chaos out of our life. No matter what's ha- happening on your TV screen. If we overcome it in our hearts. Stop trying to overcome it in the world because it belongs in the world. It's in its natural habitat, where it doesn't belong, where hate doesn't belong, where evil doesn't belong, where uh, violence doesn't belong, where racism doesn't belong, where sin doesn't belong is in your heart. Doesn't belong in your heart. Doesn't belong there. That's why he said, keep them. Say, help, help me keep them. So while I was in the world, I kept them in thy name. I kept trying to keep their hearts untainted by this world. Those that gave, that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. Even look, well, I want you to look. What makes a person lost isn't what they're doing. It is what they have allowed in their heart. You look at these people who can get in a car and just drive through a crowd of protesters. That's not a person that can you can distill down to just hatred or racism. You got to understand those are those are things that have crept into his life and have created a chaos that makes him lost. Lost people do those things. Lost people kill their brothers. Cain killed his brother, cold blood, first degree. You would sit in, you know, be forensic psychologist and try to break it down when it's just as simple as he let the elements of this world seep into his heart. And the same destruction that befalls the world now is befalling him. I'm tired of it. I'm not tired of seeing what's happening in the news. I'm tired that 
what's happening in this world is seeping into the hearts of people who should be overcoming the world. I no more think that there could be world peace. It just don't work. No different than there's people screaming out Black Lives Matter and yet there's an 11 year old boy that's dead in D.C. No more than that. How can those two things exist? If we truly care about our our fellow man, even as black people, if we truly value our race as black people, how in the world can this happen? Because you cannot operate outside of God and think that the world won't seep in with its chaos. The way that we stay in the world but not of it is because we're in God's word. It is a matter of survival. It's a matter of survival, not just survival to survive one day to the next, but to survive this world. So that when it's your time to leave this world, you are greater. So many people have died are literally just the fruit of this world. They return to dust, but their spirits, their souls, they, they, they are the living testament of the corruption of this world. They did not overcome the world. They died overcoming over. They died overcome by it. Sometimes you got to slow down because you got to say it right. They died overcome by it. That's not the way I want to die. I don't want to die overcome by this world. I want to die an overcomer. He said he gave me the scriptures and none of them be lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. You got to understand There's so many things that have to happen for the scriptures to be fulfilled. Things that you might not agree with, things that you think are horrible, things that might even hurt you. And Jesus understood that as he even spoke about Judas. This was one that had to happen. This is something that had to go on. This can be helpful to us to even understand why they're evil people. Why are they evil police? Why would there be a man to put a knee on somebody's neck and take pleasure in it or smile or smirk? Why are there people, uh, you know, the one guy um, who was uh, one police officer who was uh, actually new to the force. He got out on bail and somebody found him in a grocery store and he said, how can you? Be okay with having killed a man. And I'm looking in his hand and there's a pack of Oreos. And he's like, he's just, I'm just going on with my life. And it's hard for people to fathom or to understand, but you don't need to understand the world. Just understand the world is chaos. It makes no sense. It is heartless. It is removed from all sympathy and care. It is not distilled to a person. There is no face of evil. These are all people who have succumbed to the world, who have been overcome by the world. You're looking for remorse from people who are overcome by hate. You're looking for remorse from people who are overcome by apathy. 
and you're looking for them people to actually be redeemed. But honestly, some of the people that exist in this world are that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I want to get too much into it, but I'm going to tell you, there's a reason why we're the light of the world. It lets you know that there is supposed to be a significant portion of the world that is in the dark. Understanding that you have a role to play, that the scriptures might be fulfilled because other people are fulfilling their role, that the scripture might be fulfilled. It says in verse 13, it says, and now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let's let's take this in reverse. Christ wants us to have. His joy fulfilled. That means he wants us to have. What makes him happy accomplished in us. That doesn't mean that what makes him happy is what makes me happy. But he says, that's my intention. I'm speaking into this world. That my joy might be fulfilled, that my desire, that all the people that you gave me would not be overcome in the world. Even when it feels good to be overcome in the world, understand it is to his pleasure that you not be. How we know? Verse 14. 14 says, I have given them thy word and the world has hated them. I want you to understand, even when he's saying the world here, he's not talking about people. He's not talking about people have hated you. He's talking about the world is biometrically opposed to who you are and rails against it on a daily basis. So much so that every care and every focus goes against what you believe. But your mission is never to make the world believe it. Your mission is to find people who are ready to believe and share truth that will cause them to believe and do the same thing for somebody else. But it's not to be on this world mission to change the way the world looks. Because we're not trying to change the way the world looks. The world looks as God has intended for it to look. The same way you look as God has intended you to look until you go to a doctor and change something. I've given them the world. And the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I don't want to be of the world. And the world is always going to rail against that. You feel the elements. You feel the cares. You feel the push of the world. Coming against. That which you are. When you decide to disconnect from it. Hate is constantly pushing at your heart as you try to constantly distance yourself and disconnect yourself from it. As you constantly pull to love, you always feel the push of hate. He said this. I'm not I'm not of this world. You're not of this world. We're out of this world. He said, John 17, 15, I pray. And this is where. I want us to focus as we we wind this thing down. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Look at that. 
So everything I said, he just said it better because he's Jesus. He said, I pray that you don't take them out of the world the same way with your children. Lord, if I had children, I, I, I would be struggling with this. So I'm sharing it with you because I kind of struggle with it with my nieces and my nephews. I know they got to go out into this world. It's not it's not the black kids in their class I'm worried about. It's not the it's not the pedophile that I'm worried about. It's not the incorrect teaching I'm worried about. It's it's about being just in this world that I'm worried about. Why? Because this world is filled with evil. It's not just filled with people, it's filled with evil. And we can we have to create the distinction because one is not the same as the other. This world is filled with evil. And you should be concerned that your kids are connecting with evil. But they got to go out there. I don't. We don't want to remove them. Certain things I wouldn't let my children watch. But I'm not going to just not let them see TV at all. I understand that they have to be engaged in some way. But they need to be able to be engaged but disengaged at the same time. Much like... You think of a deep sea diver. Our physical bodies in and of themselves cannot interact with the ocean at certain levels because the pressure would crush us. And the situation, the reality of it is is like, man. In order for us to go down there, we have to actually be in something else. They can help keep us in a safe Place in the midst of a very unforgiving pressure. And that's us as Christians. We're deep sea divers. We're deep. We in it now. It's like as time goes on, you just get deeper and deeper. People are, are misspeaking. The, those who are barking out here and saying the world is getting worse and worse. No, what's happening is the pressure is getting deeper and deeper. It's getting stronger and stronger. The push against us, against our minds, it's getting harder and harder. You see people committing suicide and people look and say they look like their life was so great. Like, why would they just destroy themselves like that? Why would they leave like that? Why would they go away like that? Why would they give up like that? Because the pressure People you know and love, maybe you, as you listen to this right now, are experiencing the pressure. It crushes the best of men. That deep ocean doesn't pick and choose. It doesn't say, uh, uh, oh, you over there, you can come. But you, you know, you need you. You can't come. You'll, we'll destroy you. No, it's unforgiving. Doesn't matter how strong you are, how healthy you are. You can train to be the best deep swimmer you can be. But at a certain level, we all need to wear that suit so that we can be in it, but not of it. So that our atmosphere is calibrated for our well-being. We're not in an atmosphere that is built to destroy us, to keep us out. I don't want to take nobody out the world. I'm not with those group of people that's like, oh, you could throw 2020 away. I'm I'm supposed to be in this. 
But I'm supposed to be in it, but not of it. And that, that doesn't mean I'm not supposed to be oblivious. That, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to be oblivious to it. That doesn't mean I'm supposed to turn a blind eye to the truth of it. I mean, just I'm fascinated by the Christians who are so oblivious to the evils of this world that they can be as brash as to equate not wearing a mask as faith in God. Tempt God like that? Look at verse 16. I'm ashamed. I have to admit, I'm I'm ashamed of people. I'm ashamed of what I'm seeing. I'm ashamed of what I'm hearing from people who proclaim to be men and women of God. John 17, 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So in episode 143, I just wanted to challenge you to, you've been watching the TV, you've been in this world, you've been in this world before 2020. You understand. It's getting deeper. The pressure's getting harder. And we need to make sure that we're in God. Not just in it ourselves, but in it together. That we're speaking the same thing. Speaking the same thing the Father is speaking. That we're on a mission like Jesus to keep one another. He said, keeping them how? Making sure they obey your word. Every day I'm making sure I'm obeying God's word. Not my opinion of God's word. Not my perspective of God's word. His implicit, clear word. And then I'm admonishing and pushing and encouraging those around me. Who ain't getting it. Some of them ain't getting it. I'm going to tell you. Some people ain't getting it. Some people ain't getting it. And it's scary. They not getting it. It's scary not just because. I've been talking to them forever. But because. They've been hearing the word forever. Beyond me. It's scary. But I'm not giving up. Because until I'm out of this world. I have a mission in this world. To keep us in it. But not of it. That matters to me. I just want to know who it mat- who else it mattered to. I gotta go back and listen to that song. One of the See, things I'm gonna do, the same from now on, is before thing. we close out, you, like Zion is calling, hit I want to have a moment of prayer. So even as, as we closing out, I'm just asking God, our Father, to hear my prayer just like you heard your son's prayer. Hear another son's prayer, Lord. Dear. As we are in this world, Lord, that we stay on the mission. Those that you've put in my life, those that you've challenged me to keep. Lord, let me be adamant and eager and vigorous and focused to keep them. Young and old, whoever you've put in my life, let me keep them in your truth. How do I keep them? Let me keep them in your word. Let me hold them accountable. Let me challenge them to obey your word. In season and out of season So that as they are in the pressure filled environment of evil of this world They are not of it Even though they are in a world that is filled with hate They are not overcome by it Even though they are in a world that is filled with racism They are not overcome by it Even though they are in a world filled with sin They are not overcome by it 
Why? Because you called us to be overcomers. You called us to be in the world, but out of this world. You called us to be able to go to the deepest, darkest parts of this world and never succumb to the pressures of it because we we are found in you. Let us all commit it. Let those who hear this, let them hear this, whether they hear this in 2020 of June, of of July, or they hear it in 2030. Lord, whenever they hear this, let, let let me just challenge them, Lord. Let me just challenge them to be in the world and not of it. In their conversation, in their actions, in the way that they think. Some of you, amen. Some of you, let me say this. Some of you are struggling not to be a Christian in the sense of the standards of, of Christendom. But you are struggling to be unstained and untainted by this world in your thinking. You think certain things. I'm tired. I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of having conversations with people where they're defensive about the truth of God's word. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. No shots to anybody that's even been on here. But when I have conversations on this podcast, I need those to be free of personal agenda, personal emotions or feelings. I need to be able to talk and speak with people who are interested in unopening, opening up not just a dialogue like we are some TV show. I'm not the view. I'm not red table talk. I'm a Christian who's trying to incite people to dig deeper in the word. And I'm Forrest Hall. And this is Real Church Matters, episode 143, Out of This World. God bless obedience over audience.